Tom Kane, this is the voice of Yoda on Star Wars. And the Neverland podcast you are listening to. Yes. Hi. The Neverland Podcast, episode 72. I'm Jeremy, host of the Neverland Podcast, found at NeverlandPodcast.com. This is my show on iTunes and Stitcher. Fabulous secret powers were revealed to me the day I plugged in my microphone and said, By the power of Neverland, I am a podcast! I became a mighty podcast host. And Neverland became the easiest podcast on the internet. There are other things I feature besides Disney. Marvel, Thundercats, and He-Man. Together, we defend Neverlanders from the evil boredom of adulthood. <laughs> well, we are back, and yes, that was a slightly different kind of way to open the show. That was actually a promo that I've sent out to other podcasts, and perhaps you've heard it. There's a very good reason, though, that I have opened the show with that, because when we get to our special guest today, I think it's going to blow your mind. It is really, really cool. We have Daniel Benedict. He has created a fan film called The Fall of Grayskull. And, well, he's still working on it, but uh, it is about to be released. Uh, well, he's about to show it in Germany at a power con- power con convention type of thing. Uh, and he's working on bringing it here to the United States. But, it, of course, he's still got to finish all the editing. But the costumes look great. There is a fantastic trailer, and I will link to it here in the show notes. I will also link to the, his main website. You've got to check it out. I did tweet it out there. Hopefully you did see it. Uh, really awesome. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation today. And it's, of course, doing something a little different. But before we go here, before we launch into that, you know, we need to make sure we have that pixie in our pocket. Now, take that pixie out of your pocket. You should be keeping her in there because you need to keep the good attitude with you all the time. Get some of that pixie dust. Grab your happiest thought. We've got to take flight. We're going to Neverland once again. Now, as we're flying to Neverland, I want to remind you to email us at podcast at neverlandpodcast.com. Tweet to us at NeverlandPCast. Make sure you're following us, and we'd love hearing from you. Let me know what you think about the show. Follow us on Facebook. If you just look for Neverland Podcast, we have a like page, also a group you can join. You can leave us a voicemail, 816-226-6492. Also, if you go to NeverlandPodcast.com, you can find all of this information, as well as finding a link to join the Neverlanders. It says right there, Neverlanders, with an exclamation point. You go in there, you can find out how you can become an official lost boy or pixie and i hear you say it why not a lost girl i want to be a lost girl girls are too clever they don't get lost so you become pixies you are very magical ladies we love you Alrighty. Also, do not forget, you can donate to us through our Patreon link right there on our website or go to patreon.com slash neverlandpodcast. I'm still working on, uh, you know, a few uh, bonus type of things for, for being a, on uh, one of our patrons. But please know that half of what I get donated through Patreon, I am giving to a charitable organization called Give Kids the World that sends terminally ill children and their families to Walt Disney World. Wonderful cause, and I love supporting them, and you can support them as well by just donating to me and helping me keep the uh, the lights on around here. But uh, I want to just dive right into our content, so... Here we go. To Disney and beyond. All 
right, Neverlanders, we have an interesting guest in here with us. We're going to go a little bit beyond Disney into something more of a nostalgic type of area. For those of you who are around about my age, one of the biggest toys when we were little was Masters of the Universe. There was a great animated series that we grew up watching, and through the years we've seen them kind of make a comeback with a, a second animated series. We've seen Mattel bring some of the toy lines back around. It has always been near and dear to our hearts, but what we've really been missing is, other than the Dolph Lundgren movie, which was passable at best we needed some good he-man movies and while we do have the promise of a potential movie that they've teased us with the battle cat image what we have until then is a fan film and i have learned about a fan film called the fall of grayskull and here with me to talk about it is the creator of this film daniel benedict so everybody cheer for daniel Woo! yay hello <laughs> well welcome to neverland daniel Thank you. Thank you it's, for having me. It's not quite Eternia, but uh, it, it, it's our little happy place. <laughs> it will do for now. So, what got you into making fan films? Is this your first one? Uh, first fan film? Uh, well, uh, when I, growing up in middle school and high school, I would make my uh, own Friday the 13th films. Uh, well, you can't even call them films. You know, uh, home videos on VHS <laughs> So I mean, if you, if you count those, then then I've I've done it before. But uh, on a you know semi professional, I don't want to say professional, semi quality scale, this is the first. Ah, so you've been slowly working up to it. <laughs> yes, this is the the pinnacle of all of my efforts my entire life. Oh, so is it kind of nerve wracking? Um. Yes. Um. I. Uh, I had second thoughts uh, before I launched the uh, the Kickstarter, and then I I did launch it, and I didn't think that I was going to uh, to succeed and, and make the uh, the goal amount, and then um, and then we did, and part of me you know was super duper excited and thankful, but another part of me was like, oh no, I actually have to go through with this now, <laughs> and. Um, it's it's been very very tedious. Uh, it's it it's the hardest thing that I've ever done so far. So um, right now I'm in the editing process, and it's I'll work all day long and get three seconds done. And so, wow, yeah, is it uh, <laughs> a lot of effects that you're having to work on? Yeah, uh, everything was was green and blue screen, um, so that takes a lot of time. <laughs> well, you got a lot more tricks up your sleeve than I ever had trying to make a fan film. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm like you. I used to, I, uh, Some friends of mine had got me started where we would try to make our own movies on camera. And mm -hmm. I have a really bad one from high school that uh, we were making fun of uh, the crow a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I find it a lot easier sometimes to make comedy. And even if the only people we make laugh is ourselves. Hey. <laughs> So what in, what inspired you to um, to make a, a He-Man film? Uh, He-Man has always been um, an obsession with me. It's uh, I've loved the toys and the cartoon and everything since I can remember. Since I can remember seeing my first episode when I was about three, and uh, I've always just enjoyed 
the uh, the characters and the stories and the, the entire property and they're the only thing the only toys that I've kept from my childhood are all the uh, Masters of the Universe things so it's you know been my passion forever so I make films in my spare time um, and I just thought why not do this um it makes sense. I love making movies. I love He-Man. Let's put those together. Sure. <laughs> That's impressive that you still have some of your old Master Junior Universe figures. Uh, the figures I had, I have no idea what in the world they happened to. As far as I know, Mom sold them at a garage sale. <laughs> oh, no. That's tragedy. <laughs> yes, it was. Uh, but And I was so careful because Man-at-Arms, I'd always see, you know, like my friends, their Man-at-Arms, they would take his armor off and whatever, and they would lose it somewhere, so you just have this green guy. <laughs> so I just made sure. It's like, no, I'm not taking anything off. I'm not taking Skeletor's, you know, whatever you would call his piece. Not taking it off. Everybody must wear it. <laughs> so, and then I was very careful about not losing all of the weapons and things like that. Like, you know, G.I. Joe, you'd always lose those weapons. They were so small. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but He-Man, I, I was like, No. Must keep everything. And then I know, the last time I remember having them is when uh, we were in a townhouse when I was small and we moved when I was seven. And I think it's the last time I remember seeing my He-Man figures. So I think they were sold before we moved. Oh, no. And you you took such good care of the uh, care of them and then they're just gone. Yeah, they're gone. That's the life of a kid sometimes, you know. <laughs> you, should, uh, you should get on eBay and, and relive your childhood. Get some back. Yeah, my wife would probably have something to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> I am kind of reliving my childhood though through this show, and uh, you know, I, I've boy, I've looked at Maddie Collector to try to buy some of the new ones because they look fantastic, but they want fifty bucks for them, and I'm like, what are you kidding me? Yes, it can get pretty expensive. Yeah, it's well, any good any good collecting habit gets expensive. Yes, if it didn't, definitely. <laughs> if it wasn't expensive, it wouldn't be worth collecting. Very true. Which I think is why it's big for the Lego people. About every cool set that I, you know, that I ever get tempted into getting into Lego, I look at the price of getting a, uh, and even the Ectomobile that they've released, and <laughs> I look at the price tag. I'm like, wow. That's actually the only Lego set that I own. Is that? <laughs> I was so uh, tempted. It's it's worth it, man. You should do it. Yeah, I really probably Shh, should. I, I won't tell anybody. I won't tell your wife. Okay. Now, what they really need is a Masters of the Universe Lego set. Oh, man. Getting us back on topic. But I've always thought that would be cool. <laughs> I've seen some some custom uh, Motu Lego sets out there. They look really, really cool. But, yeah, an official one would be wonderful. Oh, yeah. Now, what would you, what would you rather prefer, have them do? Uh, base them off the original toy line or, like, the modern toy line? Uh, original, definitely. Oh, yes, definitely original. That's actually one thing I have uh, with the DC Comics now doing Masters of the Universe comics. Uh, it, it didn't take them very long before they started putting out redesigns of uh, of the characters, and I always l- liked the traditional H armor that He-Man had. Yeah. And but- they start messing with it, I'm like, he doesn't look like He-Man to me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't um, I don't really love those redesigns, but I, I can't bash it because... You know, we took our own liberties with our costumes and weapons and kind of put our own spin on some of them. So I don't want to bash something and then, you know, because I'll probably get bashed for some of the things, (laughs) some of the choices. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's definitely something to prepare for when you have so many He-Man fans out there. They're going to be 
you know, quick to want to check out the film, and then they're also going to be the ones that are going to nitpick every detail. Oh yeah. So I'm I'm ready. <laughs> Maybe How do you prepare for that. Um, I don't know. I, I need to become a drug addict or something. <laughs> I um, uh, I don't know. I, I think I think that. I mean, I, I'm a huge He-Man fan. I love. I I know. You know the essence of He-Man, and I'm not, I'm not trying to change anything. I'm trying to pay, you know, tribute to He-Man's, but at the same time, making it to where it works like live action and being realistic at the same time. So I think that um, the choices that we've made and the design um, are really good, and I th- I think that I hope that most He-Man fans will appreciate that um hopefully at least in time yeah uh, so what was your preference for uh for backstory because uh the original masters of the universe toy line had he-man as sort of this somewhat wandering kind of barbarian who was the guardian of Skull. Uh, and then later, you know, you had concepts of him being Adam. And then by the time we got to an animated series, they came up with a kind of a superhero concept with having the power sword that he actually transformed. And then, of course, having his Clark Kent weaker Adam self running around, which, you know, I, I think kind of revolutionized the whole concept of it and actually gave it a lot more story than uh, what the toys it came from. But there are still books out there in existence that you can kind of track down on eBay that still go from the original uh you know, barbarian style. So what was your preference when, uh, when, when looking at the movie, how you wanted to frame it? Um, I, you know, I love the filmation cartoon in the eighties. I think that's what made, uh, He-Man so popular and successful. So I love, I like the Prince Adam aspect. I like the, um, the, you know, Superman Clark Kent aspect, you know, it, it's, it gives you, um, something to anticipate. It gives, you something to you know if he can only just get the sword if he could just get it you know yeah um it adds to the plot but we took um a lot of aspects from a lot of areas um of the uh the entire franchise a lot of of uh filmation stuff a lot of the cartoon um some mini comic stuff um a lot of stuff from the new toy line 2000x designs for some of the costumes um so we've we've plucked things from every facet to make this um you know the best possible you know cohesive story and world that uh that we could that we could come up with so uh, when it came to costuming, did you uh, find a bunch of cosplayers to try to help with the design, <laughs> or uh, how do you manage to uh, get these created? Oh, at first, that was kind of the um, what got the ball rolling. I was at a at PowerCon um, in California in 2013, and you know I'd become friends with a lot of these these cosplayers and and actors and stuff, and I. Um, thought to myself, you know, we have, you know, access to already made like really good costumes or people that have the talent to make these really good costumes. Let's, you know, let's put together some kind of a He-Man film, some kind of a short film. Or or at first I was just going to put together like a fake trailer, like a trailer of what, of a non-existent movie. Um, And then I realized that that was going to 
cost, you know, a lot more money than I had and more money than I would be able to get through Kickstarter, you know, trying to fund a trailer. Uh, so we made it into a, a short film. Um, so uh, the costumes, uh, Triclops, Johnny Bilson, um, pretty much he, he should legally change his name to uh, Triclops because he has the uh, the perfect costume he has the character down. He anytime you uh, I've seen him at a convention, um, he is Triclops if he's in costume. Um, let's see. I had him. He's he's so talented, so creative. Um, I had him also um, create the uh, the He Man costume, um, which I was really particular about. I I got with my um, friend Nate Underwood and we came up with a concept um, that, that that pulled from the vintage toy and how that would um, you know work realistically. And we we searched the internet and found several um, concept pieces that are um, fan art and kind of mashed it together and made this cool idea. Um, sent it to Johnny, and he created this masterpiece of a costume, in my opinion. I love it. Like the harness, um, it's uh, as soon as I redecorate my living room, I'm mounting it on the wall because <laughs> it is um, it is awesome. Uh, let's see. Shadow Weaver. Uh, uh, it's, it's depressing to even think about Shadow Weaver. I, um, I had a local uh, costume designer... Um, that was going to do Shadow Weaver, um, and they couldn't end up ended up kind of backing out and not being able to to do it. So, uh, my producer Cassie and I took it on ourselves that we needed to just do it ourselves. Um, it, we had exhausted all of our resources. Everybody that was helping us, you know, they were all busy doing other things around the clock to prepare and we just decided to design this costume having no prior costuming experience and we were up oh man um i mean till 5 a.m we would work i would get home um let's say get off work we'd spend 10 hours a night for for weeks on shadow weaver and it, it got to the point where <laughs> Or, you know, it was like driving us insane. Um, but in the end, um, it turned out so good. And I, I can't believe it actually like worked and like fit on a human being and uh, <laughs> and stayed together. But um, so, yeah, so so it was a it was a, um, a collaborative effort. Um, Angela Bermudez um made part of the uh, sorceress costume she's a she's an artist slash cosplayer um really talented um let's see what are the characters in, the, in this movie uh, you get you get the picture um <laughs> lots of people came together banded together to make this uh uh awesome uh, oh yeah um uh, lance and amy jays from jay's cosplay skeletor and they did uh um. Yeah. Or they, they they provided Skeletor, which was already made. Um, and it 
I saw them. I met them at at PowerCon, and the Skeletor was just ah. Uh, that's it's kind of like the the initial moment where I was like, man, this needs to be like on film. Um. So yeah, um, Holly, my friend Holly, uh, designed um, Evil Inn, part of Tila. So okay, I think that's all my shoutouts. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's good to have the shout-outs when they, you know, all these people helping out to make all these costumes. <laughs> so now I'm guessing with Shadow Weaver, are you going to then include some of the rest of the Horde are in this movie? Um, well, there's no Horde in the movie. Um, she's, I've been asked, you know, like, you know, why, why Shadow Weaver thrown in with all of the, um, you know, why put a She-Ra character in with all of these, these He-Man characters? And, uh, I basically, I'm just like, uh, shut up. I wanted to, um, <laughs> uh, well, originally I was, um, when I first started writing the script, I had count Marzo, um, in it. And it was a, um, uh, do, are you familiar with that character? It sounds familiar, but it's not quite clicking. It's, uh, it was in the, it was in the filmation. And then later in the 2000 X cartoon, they, they changed him and made him, you know, really awesome. And I, I thought it would be a cool, um, idea to kind of have him as uh this on the fence is he is he uh, you know helping the good guys is he helping the bad guys um but that didn't really that didn't work out so i needed i already had a lot of it written um so i needed to throw in you know another character and i was like racking my brain you know what what character you know could i get to, to kind of fill in this role and i was like well i'll just bring in a um you know, a, a Shira character because, you know, that will give me an excuse to, you know, have this, you know, person that could be on the, you know, helping the good guys, could be helping the bad guys, could be, who knows. Um, and of all the Shira characters, um, I, I think Shadow Weaver is, you know, is just really cool looking. The characters, there's so much um, that could, that can be done with, with an evil character like that, it's, um, she's very much like this dark witch, mm-hmm. uh, in this, in this movie, um, as opposed to kind of like, I, she, I think she was pretty menacing in the cartoon, but yeah, she was downright spooky, but, um, I wanted, yeah, I think she adds a lot of, she adds almost like a, a horror element, uh, to the movie, which I really like. So, were you tempted to try to maybe find a way to invent a face for her to where you might actually see her face at some point? Uh, no, I, uh, well, yes and no. Um, it's, I'm not doing it like the, um, like the cartoon. She does have a face. Um, you, you know, it's, it's veiled. Uh, you, you never see the full face, but I mean, you know, there's, close-up shots where you see her face and you could actually and the veil is kind of um you could see through the veil a little bit so i mean you can see her face she's not like a you know mutated or or uh crazy looking or anything but um yeah that's one of the things i always used to wonder on the cartoon because you'd never quite see her face i always wonder it's like i wonder what she looks like under there she look normal or is she some sort of old hag or, you know, <laughs> you never knew. <laughs> you, you never knew. I, I think though that, um, that the, the character and the dialogue, um, really make this character. You don't, you don't need the, a monster to make this character really creepy 
and powerful. And the interesting thing, you know, uh, if, with, with her face normally being veiled, if she is villainous, if she was going around perhaps not in, you know, without the veil and just going around, you know, unhooded, she could actually kind of be a bit of a spy, you know, and kind of work some yeah. sort of evil things amongst the, the heroes, and they wouldn't realize who she was. Exactly. A disguise. Mm-hmm. Easy disguise. <laughs> Were you tempted to try to find a way to create Orko into the movie? Um, that would be a challenge, but it'd be really cool. Oh man, yeah, <laughs> I um, we we just did not have the budget. I knew, you know, I, I knew from the beginning that that would be really difficult. I would need, you know, a whole team of of uh, animators and and stuff, and I have, you know, no experience in that sort of thing. So, um, Orko does exist within, you know, the storyline within the universe. The the movie doesn't make mention of him. Um, but I will say this, and I, I haven't told anybody this yet, but, um, so you're getting the exclusive, man. Woohoo! Um, there will be a, a comic book, um, that will come out. Um, I'll post it, uh, digitally online for free download. Um, it's just a fan comic. Um, probably in July before Comic-Con. Um, or maybe I'll post it on Comic-Con weekend. How about that? Um, <laughs> um, it's appropriate. Yeah. That, that what, what the comic is going to do is tell the story um, leading up, because the, the film is a short film, and it's basically the climax to a longer story. And so the comic book is going to set up the movie just a little bit. So everything that takes place prior to the film will take place um, in the comic book. And then as soon as the comic book ends, the um, film picks up. So, and you will see um, very, very, very briefly Orko in that. So there you go. Awesome. <laughs> He's one of those characters that you needed that comic relief, <laughs> you know, when the, and the, he was, he fit right into the cartoon. Yes, yes. He was kind of an oddball character, but I actually remember having an Orko figure, and all it could do really is just spin around on the table, but it was great. <laughs> hey, that's a good action feature. Yeah, it was great because he'd just run around crazy. And I remember I'd take his hat off and be like, boy, you know, I, you know, he, he had the weird kind of just his head was nothing but a blackness with, uh, with eyes <laughs> and ears when he took the hat off. And you're like, you know, I really wish they would have showed you what his head is supposed to really look like underneath this hat. So he looks just like Shadow Weaver. They're twins. There you go. <laughs> and they look just like Jawas. That's, that's all the same thing. <laughs> So let's talk about story. Now, how much can you tell us without giving away any spoilers of what uh, what you came up with for a storyline? Um, okay, let's see. So it's called Fall of Grayskull. So apparently, you know, Grayskull has fallen. Um, you could just assume that it's to Skeletor because, you know, he is the main villain. Mm-hmm. Um. So there's that. Uh, it's it's a story about um, uh, Skeletor has taken over the castle, <laughs> and um, it's up to what's left of the heroes to um, you know win the day. Um, it's uh, there's and there's several you know storylines running through. Um, it's very much a, a Tila movie, also. Um, she, 
um, is I, if you've if you've seen any of the photos that I've posted, she's uh, designed after the the newest uh, or one of the new action figures for the the new classics line, uh, Battleground Tila, which they actually based off of a, a design back in the old I think DC comics where she, they like they called her like Bikini Tila because she didn't look like the filmation cartoon. She had like this uh, metallic like bra on and the and the furry barbarian shorts. Um, so in the in the um, classics bio, um, she's kind of like the new sorceress um, of, of Grayskull because, uh, you know, her mother's not there anymore. And so Tila um, is, and by the way, like I, I've been posting bios for the characters of the movie on the, uh, on the website, fallofgrayskull.com and on the Facebook page. Um, so if you, uh, what have we posted so far? Triclops, Evelyn, Tila. And then we're getting ready to post Shadow Weaver soon. So if you want some info on their characters, there you go. Um, but Tila is very much a, a com- combat person. She relies heavily on like uh, on, on fighting. Um, you know, she has a pistol, but she also has inherited her mother's you know powers. She's you know she's the guardian of Grayskull now. She has she's magical, um, and so. A lot of the story has to do with her coming, you know, to terms with with the loss of her mom, with these new powers, um, feeling inadequate, uh, trying to fill this role as uh, you know this very very important person that she doesn't feel like she's she's worthy to do. Um, so you know you, you've got your you know uh, He Man Skeletor, Man versus Man. You've got um, you know. Tila, uh, man versus self dilemma. And, um, let's see, what else can I tell you? Is that, is that not enough? Oh, I think that's a lot. Uh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> let's see. And, um, it's, uh, that's all I'm going to say. Ask me more <laughs> questions. <laughs> yeah. That actually reminds me of, uh, I don't know if you've been reading any of the modern comics, but they've had Tila take on the role now as being the sorceress. But they also take took inspiration from the original Tila figure. You know, she had that kind of a snake like yeah. hood thing. And they took inspiration from that and she's sort of wearing that as in her sorceress role. And it turns out she's also now the leader of the snake men. I've I do <laughs> I, I have all the new comics. Um I have not read all of them because I just don't have a lot of time to <laughs> to do anything. Well, I'm sorry. I should have said spoilers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I have read, read those, or I, I skimmed through sub, several of those. Um, and I saw that, um, you know, it's, it's a new story. It's, you know, it's something that's never been done before. Uh, it's cool. I, I, I don't, I don't love it, but you know, I, I respect it. And yeah. I think, I think that it's, it's um it's good you know there's those and there's like the new mini comics with the figures and um it, reading some of those and the new comics it it kind of like there's so much going on all the time it kind of like uh it kind of like blows my brain <laughs> sometimes but um yeah, and, and DC seems to be finding new ways to completely shock us and surprise us uh, I mean I love the way they introduced Adora there in the first issue 
and had her in a full Hordak mask. And oh yeah. I was like, oh, this yeah. is awesome. So yeah, just anytime I've, you know, I, I'm missing most of the issues, but anytime I've looked in there, they've just done a lot of things to turn it on its head in such a way that part of your, your old child self is like, no, they can't mess with that. And then your newer self is like, oh my gosh, that's really kind of cool. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel about it. So, oh, it's just, it's just great to see it still coming back. And I would like to see more like He-Man toys out in the stores and at a reasonable price where if I wanted to collect them and just hanging them on the wall. <laughs> oh, I know. I yeah, have been it, known to do that. Yeah, I wish we could get some in retail. And I, I've heard that um, that once they um, do a, uh, you know, a Hollywood he-man film that they'll probably do a, a toy line for that in the stores that would be great that would be very great especially with that little teaser photo that we've got of battle cat's head oh i know <laughs> oh i was so excited when i saw that i was jumping around <laughs> like and i had to show my wife I was like look 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 it's battle cat I, i'm excited there, there's no battle cat in mind but um yeah it'd be kind of hard to go and get yourself a a, a tiger and paint it green <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, a little bit of a challenge there. Uh, so. Nah, I do it every day. Yeah, sure. Now, how did you find somebody to play He-Man? I figured, did you go uh, to uh, local football teams or something? <laughs> Say, we need a big guy to be He-Man. Uh, I wasn't sure how to go about finding a person. I thought, um, originally I was going to film it in L.A. Um, so I was researching like gyms and uh, and places and like bodybuilding uh organizations there and i i came up empty and um i just googled like i don't, I, I don't know what i googled I, I, I spent a lot i spent a lot of time you know searching for someone um and then one day i was like well let me check like professional wrestling you know what if there's like a local like you know wrestling organization there and i found this one um league and uh i went through their roster and really there was only one person um that was you know huge and cut enough and you know that looked that had the look in the face that was young looking and it had like you know the good look good looking guy and uh, it was it was brian and um and so i i I cyber stalked him and and uh reached out to him and it turns out he is a huge a uh, He-Man fan, a huge comic fan. He loves the X-Men. X-Men is like his uh, everything. And um, so nice, so cool, so willing to help. And uh, I mean, he did a fantastic job. Awesome. He's really had to have that that perfect kind of Boy Scout nice guy kind of face going on. Yeah, he does. He has a very. He's like he's got the nice guy look, you know, and, and his demeanor. Um, but yet he's like absolutely massive. Sounds awesome. Now, did you? How did you go for? Uh, oh, style of combat, kind of. You know, because the cartoon, of course, was very light, and you had a uh, you know a He Man who was bent, kind of more on capture. Uh, you know, that, and you know, of course, in the other comic iterations, they can they say, hey, you know what? This is sword and sorcery. We're going to be a little bit more violent. Did you find like a good blend somewhere between the two, or uh, how did you handle that? Um, I. <sighs> I wanted to make this gritty and and dark and I'm not trying to like um you know make it like the the new Batman movies or anything. I'm not trying to just make it so dark and serious. You know, there's there's humor in it and there's, you know, color and and 
you know, a dynamic range of, of looks, but it is, um, I wanted to make it not cartoony because, you know, the fan films that I've seen so far, um, a lot of them are cartoony. I'm not saying that they're cheesy and I'm not saying that they're bad. I'm just saying that, you know, they look a lot like, you know, the cartoon. Um, and I wanted to go in just a different direction. So with the fighting and violence, um, yeah, I mean, there's gore in the, in the movie and there's, there's violence. Um, there's, there's no profanity and there's, um, uh, you know, there, and there's several different types of fighting. There's like, you know, you know, like sword, sword and staff fighting. There's, you know, like magic fighting and, and just, you know, almost like, um, martial arts style fighting. But, um, it's, you know, it, I don't know what I would rate it. I, I guess I would rate it PG 13 for the, it's got violence in it. Um, and there, you know, I'm not saying that everybody's going to survive the movie either. So, um, so Yeah. Yeah, I was kind of wondering about that. It's like, you know, if you would think, okay, if this is going to be a bit more realistic, somebody could feasibly be killed. <laughs> so it's like, oh, yeah. how do you decide, who do I want to kill off that somebody's going to be mad? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, if people are going to be mad about people dying, characters dying, then eh, just <laughs> go in knowing that people are going to die. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's not going to be as quite as over the top as um, I, I've – I've done a Castle Grayskull Man uh, comic, online comic, just two issues so far, waiting on the third one. Um, but I've written those, and those are like, you know, over the top, like people are getting sliced in half, and, <laughs> and you know, it's not going to be quite like that. But there, you know, there is blood, and um, so be forewarned. <laughs> and speaking of combat, though, uh, how did you go about getting uh, the weaponry created and the, the props and things like that? Um, let's see, um, various, uh, ways, uh, a guy, Chris Hedges designed the, um, Teela blaster, did an awesome job. Um, I wanted him to kind of model it after the 1987 Teela blaster. So it's reminiscent of that, but with a little twist on it. Um, I personally did the Skeletor staff. Just out of necessity, because <laughs> uh, I, I had uh, our effects uh, people, um, Cassandra and Allison. Um, I gave them like a list of things I needed them to do, and one of the, of those was the staff. But they were so overwhelmed, you know. I, I had given them so much to do already that um, the staff kind of fell back into my lap, which is you know fine. Um, none of us knew what to do with it anyway. We like, you know, I had them buy me a Ram skull and I was like, okay, now make this into a staff. And we're like, they're like, how? I was like, well, I don't know. (laughs) So I just, you know, started drilling holes and getting materials. And, and, um, so I did that one. Uh, and it it turned out really, I'm really happy with that. I'm proud of it. That's another thing that I'll probably like hang up in a corner somewhere. Um, Let's see, the, the He-Man sword, the power sword, um, it's mostly just a sword I bought already designed. Um, I, I did a, some modification to it, but uh, it, um, it had, it had the, uh, the He-Man cross 
Um, on the bottom of the handle, it had um, even like red He-Man crosses on on the blade, and um, it that's the thing that that people will might at first be like, I don't like that because it doesn't look like any of the other He-Man swords I've ever seen. Um, which, you know, I, I understand because when the 2000X cartoon came out, I was like, I hate that sword. It looks, <laughs> yeah. it looks nothing like He-Man's filmation or toy power sword. But, you know, I think that it grew on me because, you know, it works for what the cartoon, you know, needed. And, um, and now, you know, it's like, it's popular. Everyone loves that sword. And, um, and when you actually look back to the history of, of He-Man's sword, I mean, you've got the, the toy sword and the filmation sword was a little bit different, a little skinnier. Mm. And you have the new adventures of He-Man's sword, which is way different. Yeah. And you had almost the, like a lightsaber. <laughs> yeah. And then you had like the toy, like the actual, like, role-playing toy of that which is different and then you had the um 2000x uh sword and then like the new the new dc sword is completely different so yeah i picked a sword that um i thought just looked like a realistic sword i didn't want it to be like too conan-ish i wanted it to look more like um eh, like uh like a highlander or maybe like like a crusader sword or just something that 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 seemed to be kind of holy, um, something that was like precious, but still like realistic. It's still something that, uh, you know, you could, uh, kick some butt with. Yeah. <laughs> so let's hope that nobody, uh, you know, beats me up over it. Yeah. Well, the interesting story though, on the, uh, like the 2000 X series, uh, with the toy line, apparently the idea, if you noticed the, you know, like the second round of the toys, Skeletor actually had, two swords and yes. they did kind of resemble the old style and he had a gray one and he had his, his traditional purple one now the story apparently they were leaning on was they wanted to have you know like a continuation and they thought well what if skeletor has now captured both swords so then he-man and or adam had in order to turn become he-man has a new sword that is supposed to have been half designed by man-at-arms and yet was still the magic principles which is why like in the in the cartoon his sword had like you know moving parts and it would look more kind of technological because they were actually using technology to transform into he-man was going to be the idea but, but of course by the time they got to start making the cartoon they thought well we'll use these designs but we want to be more traditional with the story on it but i always thought that was very kind of a, a fascinating concept and i wondered like where they were going to maybe go with huh. that with Skeletor having both swords of course being me if I'd have been able to purchase both a, a He-Man and a Skeletor I might have taken away the gray sword from Skeletor and given it back to He-Man so there now he's got a sword that looks like this <laughs> <laughs> That's so awesome. how do you handle the, the transition between Adam and He-Man if you're doing one and uh, did you did you cast somebody completely different to play Adam that way he actually looks oh. different because that's it's one of the the biggest things that, that gets made fun of with the old masters in the universe is how could they look at Adam and He-Man and not realize it's the same guy because he <laughs> looks identical. Adam is all buff. And I did like with the uh, the 2000X series where they give you this young, scrawny, teenage Adam that suddenly turned into a big, hulking He-Man. So how did you handle that? Um, it's, it's more like 2000X. Um, it's um, this teenager, this teenage boy who's a completely different actor. Um, and, uh, it's, uh, I am still actually like <laughs> working on the, the, the trans transformation. I, um, I haven't got it all figured out yet. I have it all filmed and I, I have a plan, but I'm still like, uh, 
working on it, but there will be a transformation scene. I can't, you know, how could I not include that? Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, I, I like the, the dynamic of having, um, you know, this, this kid basically who, um, has this chance to be, you know, this powerful hero. I mean, you know, what, that's kind of what He-Man, you know, was to, to us, you know, we, as kids, we wanted to be He-Man. We wanted to be, you know, the most powerful man in the universe. Um, and, uh, I like the, uh, the idea of, of it being like this, not necessarily like a weak person, but just some, somebody that looks completely the opposite of, of He-Man. But at the same time, you know, that looks like, you know, a smaller version. Yeah. Has the heart of He-Man, but none of the power. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. All right. So now uh, you're premiering this actually in Germany. Have I got that right? Yes. Grayskull Con, uh, September 11 this year. And so what is the plan for being able to premiere it here somewhere in the States? Um, well, I'm looking at uh, several venues and dates um, and I haven't ever, I haven't, uh, said this to anybody yet either. So another exclusive, if, if I can get it done in time, um, people who go to Comic-Con, um, will have a chance to see it at the power party, awesome. um, that Friday night. So, but that's, if I can get it done in time, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty hard, <laughs> hardcore editing, time consuming. Yeah. So there's. So there is that, and I'm well, I'm going to do a local premiere because most of the because um, we shot it here in my hometown, and um, and most of the the actors and crew um, are here. So I'm definitely going to show it here in Kentucky, um, and possibly several other locations. Um, yeah. And then after you've kind of toured it and showed it at a few conventions, are you going to try to put it online or, you know, do you have yeah, plans for distribution? That, that is the goal. Um, the Kickstarter, the backers on Kickstarter will get, you know, their DVD or Blu-ray, whichever they, or digital download. Um, and then eventually my goal is to um, have it stream online. Um, hopefully that will become a reality. Like you were talking about with me earlier about YouTube and, and their, um, their issues with, uh, material. I may have to, uh, not put it on there and put it on another side or another way to, to get it to the public for free. I mean, it's always going to be free. I mean, you know, but, um, is there a chance that anyone who maybe didn't know that you had a Kickstarter going, if they wanted to get a DVD or a Blu-ray of it, would they still be able to get one somehow? Um, I don't know. Uh, that's something that um, that we that I don't know yet. Uh, maybe I, I don't. You know, I'm running the risk of you know like just starting to make money off of it at that right. point. Right. Yeah. And uh, I really don't want to do that. Um, so I would say next thing that, you know, Mattel shows up at your door. Excuse me, Mr. Uh, Benedict. <laughs> as of right now, um, you know, physical copies are reserved as um, rewards for the uh, the Kickstarter backers. So, um, you know, there's that. Yeah. 
So what's next after this? Now that you've kind of got a taste for doing something a little bit more high profile or a little bit higher budget, uh, you can plan on making some more fan films, try to slowly work your way maybe actually into doing some full Hollywood-style film? Um, I don't know. Uh, some days, yeah. Some uh, some days I'm so overwhelmed, I'm just like I'm never making a movie again. <laughs> um, it just depends on how tired I am that day. Um, uh, I don't know. I really don't know. I can't. Usually I'm always, while I'm doing a project, I always have the next three projects mapped out of my head. But with this one, I'm so involved with it that I can't even really see past this year um, yet. So I don't know. Well, you know, George Lucas had a few days like that working on Star Wars, like, oh, I'm never doing this again. And then he, you know, had to stop from, you know, physical, his physical health kind of became a problem. So you never know. This might be just this big launching point. And the next thing you know, like, I got to do more. So, <laughs> well, if, if it comes to that, then so be it. <laughs> this could be the launching platform for Daniel Benedict. <laughs> from fan film to Hollywood legend. You never know. It could happen. Hey, I mean, I, I would I would accept that. <laughs> and you heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, big thanks for coming on to the, the project or onto the podcast here to talk about this project. Uh, I'm really hoping this turns out really good. I'm pretty excited for this because, you know, they, I, I saw that little bit of a tease thing that's on the, the Facebook page. And I'm like, well, hey, you know, you see a little bit of costume. And they look kind of cool. So. Well, cool. Well, thank you for having me on, and I appreciate it. And I'm glad you're excited. I hope everyone else is. Um, and yeah, and the and the the teaser trailer that's that's all that is. It's that's nothing final. That was just me taking some shots that we had filmed and just mocking up, you know, what it could look like. Um, so I'll have a I'll have a better, more full trailer sometime in the next. I don't know when. <laughs> <laughs> sometime soon, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. There you go. All right, and the website is fallofgrayskull.com, right? Yes. All right, so everybody go check it out. And I, I figure you also, the Facebook page, if you search for Fall of Grayskull, you will find it. Uh, is there a Twitter page or a Twitter feed that people can follow on the project? Uh, yeah, if you go to the if you go to fallofgrayskull.com, um, there's uh, some links to Twitter, YouTube, uh, Facebook. Um, they're all there on, on the top banner. And also, if everybody goes and if you know of any local conventions here in the States and you know the right people, hey, you know, drop the website onto these people and let's see if we can get some people calling Daniel and say, hey, come show this movie. We want to have a panel. Absolutely. That's a great idea. Do it. Do it. Find the right people and talk to them into it. In fact, we got another convention. We just had Planet Comic Con here in Kansas City, but we've got another one in August, which is actually before, though, when you're scheduled for Germany, so I don't want to put a rush on you. But, you know, maybe by <laughs> next time Planet Comic Con comes around, <laughs> we'll, yeah. I'll find the right people and say, hey, we want to see this movie. We need to have a panel. So, that would be awesome. All right, but once again, everybody, Daniel Benedict, fallofgrayskull.com. Thank you so much. Yeah. Do your eyes deceive you? Are He-Man and Man-at-Arms really locked in mortal combat? If so, then it is a bad omen of things to come. It could mean danger at Castle Grayskull. I have you now, He-Man. Never, Man-at-Arms. Defeat shall be yours. Take that! Blast. I missed. Ha! My weapon shattered. You're finished now, Man-at-Arms. Father, He-Man, stop! This is madness! Please! <laughs> no, Tila, we weren't really fighting. No, my dear. We were merely trying out a new weapon I had invented. 
Well, it looks like it needs more work, Father. Yes, you're right. But better to find out in a mock battle than in a real one. Speaking of which, when are you going to test the new attack track? Soon, He-Man. But it still needs some adjustments. Sometimes it acts strange, almost as if it had a mind of its own. Overhead, Zor, the sorceress's falcon, arrives with a message. I believe, He-Man, there is trouble. Skeletal and his men have inspired approaching Castle Grayskull from the north. They are only a short march away from it. We'll take the Talon Fighter. We must get there quickly. But He-Man, the Talon Fighter can only carry two of us. No, you go ahead, Father. I'll take the attack track and meet you at Castle Grayskull later. Now go. This Talon Fighter is truly amazing. Yes, with its magic, we'll be at Castle Grayskull in moments. And with Skeletor around, every moment counts. Hang on. <laughs> In a flash, our two heroes arrive at their destination. I don't understand, He-Man. Skeletor and his band are nowhere in sight. Yes, tis strange. Then we'll just have to wait. Meanwhile, Tila is giving the attack track quite a workout. This vehicle is marvelous. These giant treads can handle even the toughest ground. I should be near Castle Grayskull now. Wait, who could that be out here? Funny faces! How did you get here? I... I don't really know. I can't seem to remember. Suddenly, Manny Faces changes into his beast self. No, Manny Faces! Let me go! From behind a rock steps... Skeletor, I might have known you were behind this. Release Manny Faces from your spell! No, my dear! I still have need of him, and you as well! I shall place you under my control. Energy Blade, work your spells. No, I won't let you... Uh, uh. <laughs> I knew He-Man would fly ahead and leave Teela to follow. Now I have her and the attack track. What is that? Suddenly a smoke screen billows out of the attack track. <laughs> Curse this machine. It must have a defense system. Ah! Leave it here to rot. Let's get to Castle Grayskull. Later at Castle Grayskull... Triclops, use your gamma vision to look around this corner. What do you see? He-Man and Man-at-Arms are standing in the Watchtower, Master. Excellent! Now it's Teela's turn to help me. Go forward, my dear, and call He-Man. He-Man, I'm here. Open the jaw bridge. Yes, yes. right away, Teela. Drop your weapons, He-Man, and remove your super suit. That's right. <laughs> now I am master of Castle Grayskull, and I will learn its secrets. Trapjaw, take these three away to the dungeon. Below ground in the dungeon. <laughs> Who'd have thought it? The mighty He-Man locked up in a dingy cell. Quiet, fool. <laughs> My, why, is that the best the great He-Man can do? Just throw water? <laughs> Don't talk to me. Just leave me alone. Just for that, I'm going to stay and keep you company. 
Say, did I ever tell you about the time I fought off 16 giant spiders? Upstairs, Skeletor is busy trying to study the castle's command center. Beastman, leave that alone! Don't touch that merman! Huh? How can I learn the secrets of the castle with you bumblers poking around? Master, what does this lever do? Serves the fool right! Meanwhile, in the dungeon, a strange change is taking place. Then the sword went... What's happening? I can't move my mouth. It worked. He's rusted shut. What? Of course. That's why He-Man threw the water at him, and then kept him here talking. The iron in his jaw and arm is rusted tight. He can't even move or call for help. Get his keys. The game is finished, Skeletor. No! Beastman! Merman! Get them! <laughs> Looks like your master is escaping and leaving you with the dirty work. Beastman, but we'll have this bunch cleaned up in no time. Right. I'll go after Skeletor. One more step, He-Man, and Teela is finished. Throw down your weapons. What's that? What are you doing? Seemingly out of nowhere, the Battle Falcon Zor swoops down and drops a bomb from his background. Great shot, Zor. You blew him right over the castle wall. Curse you, He-Man! You and all your friends and your weapons and... Look, He-Man! It's attack track! It's firing lasers at Skeletor! <laughs> I think you are right, Man-at-Arms. That machine does have a mind of its own. Well, there goes Skeletor and his band, many faces. And his spell over me is now broken. That only leaves our jailer trap jaw to deal with. What should we do with our rusted foe? Perhaps you can use him as a dummy for combat practice. Hey, man-at-arms. <laughs> Coming soon. Watch for new adventures so you can act out the action and help He-Man fight the battle for all the power in the universe. I, Skeletor, will finally defeat He-Man! I'll use the Talon Fighter to stop Skeletor! In a flash, He-Man's hurled through space and time. Surrender to the power of White Red's Talon Fighter! You win, He-Man, but I'll be back! <laughs> hey, you guys! <laughs> Neverland Feedback Okay, now, before we wrap this up, we want to give us a little shout-out here to some brand-new Neverlanders. Uh, and I'll just read you exactly what these emails said. I have two new add-ons here, two new e emails. The first one says, I'd like to be Pixie Beth Build Friend. Or Build Fiend, actually. Okay, <laughs> Pixie Beth Build Fiend. I'm still playing with Legos, and I take the pledge to never grow up. Well, if you're playing with Legos, you've certainly achieved that goal of never growing up, and I salute you. I was never very good at building Legos myself, so I definitely have to take my hat off to anyone who can build. Oh, and by the way, did you know that there is a Labyrinth Lego set that uh, Beth has designed, and it is available, uh, you, can, you can vote for it, 
to make it an actual set. We're going to have them on, have Beth on, and also the people behind the Pinocchio set that I've actually, if you look in your show notes, we have had a link on there for quite a long time to go so you can uh, support the Pinocchio set. But Beth has a set of, of as well of the Labyrinth movie. Uh, very, very cool. So check out your show notes. Check out NeverlandPodcast.com and be on the lookout for an upcoming episode where I did sit and talk with them. Uh, well, sit and talk with them, I say, but, you know, of course, across the Internet. But it was a lot of fun. They were great people, and you're going to enjoy that. That is coming up very soon. In fact, uh, most likely, unless something huge happens, it'll be next week. Also, I've got another email that says, This is Rick Myers of the Fumbling Forwards blog. For my Lost Boy name, it will be Lost Boy Tricky Rick. It is an old nickname, and I still get people calling me that. Now, many of you will know who Rick Myers is. He was actually on our show, and uh, we did our Marvel DC 102 conversation with him. Uh, He used to have a blog that was called uh, Recovering Uber Geek, and now it is called Fumbling Forwards. He also has a Facebook page and things like that, Uh, so go check him out. All right, we also have a couple of new Twitter followers that I want to give you a little shout-out. Gavin McHale and Chase A. Thompson. Also, adding onto our list of followers, we have Lorelai Wilson and Buggy Irk. Buggy Irk is the originator of the Pinocchio Lego project, which you can find now a link in the show notes. Also, we have Philippe Longvenenko, which I probably got his name wrong. He's from Ukraine, is a music composer for film and games. How cool is that? Uh, also, we have David Dollar from the Deuce Cast. And also, our guest this week has become a follower, Daniel Benedict. So I do advise everybody, come and check out our Twitter feed. I do try to tweet a lot of fun. I haven't gotten a chance to lately do as many things as I normally would, where I'd have Marvel Mondays, Turtle Tuesdays, Wayne Wednesdays, and things like that. Life has been kind of complicated lately. I've been starting in with a new job, which, uh, by the way... Uh, for your mail carrier's sake, secure your dog. Yeah, it's, I thought it would be kind of an uncommon thing, but it seems it's a bit more common for us to get attacked by dogs, and I had to go through a training to protect myself from dogs today. So <laughs> that's completely off the subject. But remember throughout this week to keep a pixie in your pocket, and by that I mean, of course, to keep your good attitude, your young and had attitude, and that will give you an ample supply of pixie dust to spread into other people's lives, which by that I mean, of course, to go and love on other people, even just saying good morning and a smile and a handshake sometimes a hug if it's allowed uh, it can really right up brighten a person's day but until we see each other next week or hear from each other next week god bless thank you for listening to the neverland podcast please subscribe and rate the show on itunes stitcher and blueberry we love to hear from you on twitter.com slash neverland and facebook.com slash neverland podcast Leave us a voicemail at 816-226-6492 and send email to podcast at neverlandpodcast.com. Join us next week and we'll once again go to Disney and beyond. The Neverland Podcast is copyright glue band productions and all original content belongs to the same. Other content is copyright of their respective creators and is used under Creative Commons license. New year, new credit scores. Chime makes it easier to build credit by using your own money to make on-time payments with a secured Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card. Use it everywhere Visa credit cards are accepted. 
To apply, just open a Chime checking account with a qualifying direct deposit. There's no annual fee or credit check required when applying. Get started at Chime.com slash build. That's Chime.com slash build. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Late payment may negatively impact your credit score. Results may vary.